I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of our sin is not sin of commission, what we do, but it's sin of omission. The things we don't do, even though God has given us a passion, a burden for them. Welcome to First Person, a weekly interview program. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and our guest now is author and pastor Jason Dorsey. Thanks for joining us today. It's always great to get your feedback on what you hear, so please visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. You can leave your comments there and learn just a bit more about this program and our guests, or use our webpage for that purpose, where you can also browse the archive of past interviews and listen right there online. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. This weekly visit is made possible through the Far East Broadcasting Company, which loves to have stories of God working in people's lives told. FEBC has a few stories of their own, and you can learn more about them when you click on the FEBC banner found at firstpersoninterview.com. In addition to serving with FEBC, I recently made a trip on behalf of Mission Eurasia with some fellow board members for a first-hand look at the ministry in some key countries. After visiting Kyrgyzstan, we made our way to Ukraine, and while in Kyiv, I took the opportunity to sit down and talk with Seattle area pastor, Jason Dorsey. Well, Jason, you and I have planned to have this conversation for a very long time, and here we are finally. We're together in Ukraine, in Kyiv, where uh, we both serve on the board of a great ministry called uh, Mission Eurasia, and we're here for a board meeting. And this is the first time we've been face-to-face. We have a lot of meetings via Skype. That's right. This is the first time we get a chance to talk together. So I'm going to nab you here, even though we're just in a hotel room, and it's not an ideal studio, but I had to talk to you today. So well, it's great you. to finally make this happen. Yeah, and you're on this trip with your son, Julian. That's right. Which is a very special experience. Yeah. What an adventure we're on here, isn't it? Yeah. We, we visited Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, and I I, don't, I know how you feel because we've talked about it. But for me, it was just one of the most one of the richest cultural experiences centered on the gospel that I've ever had. Right. Well, the hospitality of the people uh, there just was overwhelming. Yeah. Now you're uh, a pastor, so you plan to speak on hospitality, don't you? That's right. That's right. Yeah, we're hoping to take some of the video we shot to use it as a intro blurb to a sermon series. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Uh, well, help us get to know you. You have uh, your son Julian with you, but there are other members of the family. So introduce your family to us yeah. first, then we'll talk about your life as a pastor and an artist and a special calling God has on your life. Sure. My wife, Jenny, and I, and our oldest, Jacob, and then Julian, and both of they are both in college, mm-hmm. and then Judah, who is a uh, senior in high school, and my daughter, Jackie, who's okay. a freshman. So you're into J's. So. Yeah, we're a J family. <laughs> Everybody, mom and dad, yeah, too. Yeah. Um, when I first met you, you pastored a church in Indianapolis. It was... Redeemer Presbyterian Redeemer Church. Redeemer Presbyterian. And that was a unique church. And what first attracted me to telling your story, because you really had an, a, uh, an outreach to artists in the church, didn't you? Well, it's an incredible uh, cultural... Uh, a church that has an incredible uh, cultural ministry. So the building that we owned had over 30 uh, art studios with probably close to 40 artists that were connected to the building. Goodness. About four galleries in the building besides the church. And so we shared space with this cultural organization called the Harrison Center for the Arts. And each year, over 100,000 people came through the church building just for the art and culture itself. 
Amazing. What what is the connection between the gospel and art then as you generally as you see it? Well, God is a creator and so he made us as people to be creative and so it's a natural expression of our being made in his image. And it's a great way for the church to um, affirm and celebrate the gifts that people have to create space and to uh, you know invite people to enjoy the art that people make. It's kind of a lost opportunity through the years, don't you think, that the church has neglected uh, art? Well, I think the church has had a very uneasy uh, relationship to art and artists. Now, as I said, you were pastoring at that time in Indianapolis when we first met. Now you're in Seattle. Tell me about the move and what was behind that. Yeah, so we were completely locked into the church in Indianapolis, but in January 2015, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm. And so my heart opened up to be closer to home. And a uh, job uh, opening came up in Redmond, Washington. It turns out it's where my dad grew up. And uh, one door opened after another, and we uh, moved to Redmond, Washington in uh, uh, August of 2015. And what's the name of the church in Redmond? It's uh, Redeemer as well. It's a unique community. Uh, Redmond, Washington, many people recognize as the home, really, of Microsoft, isn't it? Yeah, Microsoft, and it's a high-tech area. Uh, Google, Amazon, uh, Facebook, they're all there. So I know you were going home, but was it a difficult move at all in any sense? Well, it was very hard to say goodbye to our friends, uh, many uh, dear friends in Indy and a great community there. Well, moving to Seattle meant that you were closer to home. Obviously, you're, you're uh, close with your mom, and she's with us, and it's great. She's, she's doing okay? She's doing great, thanks. Great. Yeah. Uh, there's a very special place called Camino Island, to you and right. explain that story to us and give me give me a little detail about Camino Island. Yeah, my folks moved to Camino uh, in 1969, just a few months after I was born. My mom's family actually lived there uh, even before that, so she grew up on that island, and uh, they moved there to be artists. My dad made a go as a professional artist and did that for about 13 years before. Uh, the finances drove him to get a, a full-time job at Boeing in Everett. But uh, it, it's where I grew up. And when we lived in Seattle before moving to Indianapolis, my family had given, my, my mom and dad had given me a little piece of land near them. And I had dreamed of creating an art studio and had actually written out a business plan and um, imagined what it could be. But all the years in India had been too afraid to actually pull the trigger on it. But when mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, I realized that it was at this point just fear keeping me from mm-hmm. uh, making the dream happen. Mm-hmm. And so even before we moved to Redmond, I had uh, pulled the trigger and got the ball started to build uh, the art studio I had dreamed of for a long time. And this is, what is the mission of the studio? It really is a community-based uh, studio, isn't it? Yeah, so it, it's called Sunny Shore Studio because it's on Sunny Shore Acres. It's a part of Camano Island. Camano's a 27-mile-long, uh, five-mile-wide island, so it's a pretty large island, but you can drive onto it. So okay. it's located at so the it's south easily end. easily accessible. It's easy, easily accessible. But the mission of Sunny Shore Studios is to share the beauty of Camano Island with the mm. world. Mm. Tell me about that beauty. What, what makes it so special for you? Well, I, I think it's twofold. First, just the natural beauty. It's surrounded by the Olympic Mountains to the west and the Cascades to the east. 
uh, pretty much from every point of the island, there's an incredible view. And so it's just a beautiful, beautiful place. And I was privileged to grow up there. And I'm looking forward to being able to share that this place with others. But it's also, um, uh, the idea of sharing is also something I, I want to do connected with the arts. So the studio will have an apartment on the second floor. Uh, it will be a working studio so artists can come and create and, and do their work there. I was privileged to grow up with a dad who painted professionally and could go out to the studio and play around and mess around with the brushes and the paper and and dad let me do that mm-hmm. and i want to create a place where other people can uh, do that as well so this is not your home this is a, a separate studio um, that you really are dedicating to this to this whole idea yeah that's right it's a it's a separate building a mission uh sort of a community center as you yeah. said you paint yourself don't you that's right yeah i do paint huh. what well, landscapes what do you do uh, i chiefly paint in watercolor and landscapes and cityscapes i i uh i painted cityscapes in indy because that was what was yeah. there and in, in sure. fact i remember uh sometime around 2010 i had a show at the harrison center for the arts uh called uh, uh painting indy something along those lines mm-hmm. and and i realized i had come to terms with living in the city and being there in that place because I painted it and really, really enjoyed. Yeah, so uh, it's kind of show. paint the one you're with, huh? Pa- yeah, yeah, now, yeah that's now you're right. painting back home. And, I'm, I'm painting Island. back home, yeah. right? And you have a book coming out about the island. Yeah, and this whole thing fascinates me for this reason, and we'll talk more theologically about this in a minute. But it fascinates me because you know everyone would like to go home, and you've had that opportunity. I had that opportunity, and you know, Wayne, the uh, the. The book is on the beaches of Camino. When I, I knew that we had a grand opening coming, I decided that we needed to do uh, a show that focused on Camino with our, my different family members. My dad paints, my mom's a gifted artist, my brother, my sister, myself. We all paint. And so I, I dreamed of creating a book, a coffee table book called The Beaches of Camino that would celebrate the beaches of Camino and guide people on how to use them. Because Camino has a lot of private beaches. It's not always so easy to know where to go to enjoy a beach. The locals know, though, don't they? The locals they? know. <laughs> so I interviewed over 30 people, and it features uh, 32 of the beaches of Camino Island. Beautiful. Do you have to know Camino Island to enjoy this book that you've, you've put together? I don't think so. In fact, the stories that uh, are woven together are, are an amazing uh, historical snapshot into a, a physical place. You, you learn the history, you learn the stories of people. It's, it's really a great book. It turned out much uh, greater than I even imagined. Well, we'll put information about the book and more at the website, firstpersoninterview.com. And we'll give that at the, at the end of the program once again, because you're going to want to follow up on this. Uh, when you're painting, what is, is it therapeutic for you as an expression of God-given creativity? What is it that, that uh, makes it, painting so enjoyable for you? Well, it's a gift. I, I think I see it that way, that it's a gift. I enjoy doing it. I remember the first time uh, that I really uh, realized that I was good. I was 16 years of age. I went out into the studio. I painted uh, a big watercolor, and it turned out great. And I realized, you know, I have something here. You know, my great-grandmother was a nationally known artist, 
And I have this legacy, this heritage of art in my family. And so for me, it's, uh, it's an expression of my love for a place. Uh, and I love, I've found that I love to weave stories, uh, the written word and the visual word together. We'll continue talking about the life and creative work of Jason Dorsey coming up on today's edition of First Person. This is Ed Cannon, president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC partners with First Person to bring these interviews to you each week because we never tire of hearing how God moves on the hearts of people to accomplish His purpose. Whether in the hard-to-reach places of the world or right here at home, we serve a living God who leads men and women to do great things for Him. Learn more about FEBC at firstpersoninterview.com. Click on the FEBC banner. My guest is Jason Dorsey. Jason is a pastor. He's an artist, and uh, we have gotten to know each other through some ministry together, and it's a great joy to sit here in Kiev, Ukraine, where we uh, finally connected to talk together. We're both here for a, uh, a meeting of Mission Eurasia, and uh, we're taking advantage of the opportunity to sit in our hotel room and just talk about this wonderful uh, work that Jason is doing as an artist, but you're also a pastor, and talk about the, the blending of the two for you. Right. Well, I'm, my passion as a pastor is, is to bring glory to God. And I believe that that happens when people uh, live into their unique design, who God uniquely designed and crafted them to be. And so over the years, I've been able to develop a discipleship path uh, that I call identity mapping, which listens to who God has made a person be, including their wounds, and then as we learn who that person is, then we see the calling that encircles them. I, I think it. I think it. a lot of people struggle to know what is my purpose, what is my calling, but this idea of uh, your calling arising from your identity and, and encircling you, you being smack dab in the center of your calling is a really powerful concept. Yeah. Uh, for the person listening who doesn't feel they're particularly creative, uh, does this apply to them? Absolutely. Uh, creativity is lived out in so many ways. It's lived out with a high-tech person who's writing code. It's lived out in a person, uh, a diplomat, who's coming up with solutions to problem-solving in relationships and negotiating between uh, different people groups. Or, uh, so absolutely, we're, we're all creative people. Yeah. Take me deeper on identity mapping. Take me through a little bit of the process involved here. So the, the process is, uh, first of all, uh, it begins with understanding the story you're in. I like to say, if you don't know, you, you can't know yourself if you don't know the story that you're in. Mm. So we always try to help locate people in the Bible story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. R realizing that this is where you are in this story uh, gives great dignity, it gives great uh, sense of self. And uh, we, we spend quite a bit of time looking at personhood and particularity. This is unique to the Christian understanding of identity. We hold on the one hand that each of us are persons made in God's image. We have equality and dignity and solidarity with all people. And, uh, and yet at the same time, each of us are absolutely unique, particular people. And it's the holding together of those two 
which makes Christianity and its view of identity so powerful. Mm-hmm. So that's the starting point. That's the starting point. Okay. So, and so put that in terms of your own life. So where do you fit into that story? Yeah. Well, this process of identity mapping is, is actually something I begin to take myself through. In the summer uh, vacations, we'd come back from Indy, and uh, I would sit down and, and try to think through who I was and what I was supposed to do in the next year. And uh, over the years, I, I came up with this uh, word for myself that I was an urban father. And then I began to look at the different spheres of responsibility that God had appointed me uh, to oversee and shepherd myself and uh, the personal sphere and, and the family that God had given me and my responsibilities there. And then to work and uh, to community and to place. Yeah. And so that's really the process. First of all, you listen to who a person is. You listen to who God has made them to be. You even listen to their wounds. And then you begin to look at those different spheres and the roles that they have been given by God. I'm intrigued by this because most of us don't think that deeply about our lives, do we? We get so busy and we just move from one thing to another without ever taking time to reflect. That's right. And, and this program, this discipleship path, slows people down, helps people think uh, deeply, intentionally about who they are, and really celebrates who they are. So that first part is where do you fit into the story? That's right. Where do you fit into the story? The second part then is to uh, know yourself, to know who God has uniquely made you to be. And so you listen to things like, well, it begins with uh, after personhood, which we all share, and which gives us something to relate to everyone, then we begin to be differentiated by our sexuality, our gender, Mm -hmm. and then by our uh, personality, and then by our culture, and then by our family of origin, and then by our history. And at the sort of the the peak of the mountain, so to speak, is our name. Uh, Each of us has a name. These are all the things that make us unique. That's what makes us unique. And so listening to that, then you, you take time to listen to who you are. And after you've done that, you begin to look than at the spheres of responsibility that God's given Mm -hmm, to each person. mm -hmm. So where do we fit in the story? And then the idea of our uniqueness. That's right. This is all part of a discipleship. uh, discipleship. I don't want to call it a program because that almost isn't descriptive enough for what this is. How do you describe it? Well, I I describe it as a discipleship path. There you go. And I talk about it as a, a, it's a legitimate path that one can walk for the rest of their life, because our roles are constantly shifting. We always have to go back to who has God made me to be? How can I uniquely bring him glory? How do I show and reflect him in a way that no one else can? And then how am I doing it in the specific calling he's given me? And that's the discipline of identity mapping. Yeah, we often compare ourselves to other people, don't we? And that, that's right. This this uh, you know doesn't end around that and gets back to the the basics of who we are. And, that's right. And the God who made us. Okay, so what's the third part? Well, the third part then is taking time to very uh, intentionally look at each of the roles that God has given you in those different spheres of responsibility, and then to begin to set goals uh, in those spheres to. Um, uh, begin to uh, look at the boundaries around them and look at what's healthy and what's yeah. not healthy. What you should do and what you what shouldn't you should do. should do and what you shouldn't do. Because uh, the boundaries and where what we say yes to and what we say no to, uh, this is how we say, this is who I am. 
And it's interesting, Wayne, going back to your question about how does this fit in with me, for years under uh, you know my creative calling and my sense of my work being uh, including art and writing, I would always write down this goal of uh, continue the work of Sunny Shore Studio, even though it was just an idea. <laughs> But it was always there as something in the back of my shake mind. It, right? I couldn't shake it. It always sat there in my goals. Isn't that interesting? I think many people have that thing at the back of their mind. They just can't shake it. And maybe it is God. Right. Uh, suggesting and, and urging and calling them. I think a lot of us, uh, a lot of our sin is not sin of commission, what we do, but it's mm-hmm. sin of omission. Right. The things we don't do, even though God has given us a passion, a burden for them. Right. Okay. I'm sorry, we have to move through this so quickly, but let's just talk about that final step then in, in the discipleship path. The last path then is just encouraging people to understand their identity in Jesus Christ and step into that calling, which is uh, it's, it's specifically, it's the roles that God has given them. And what's so great about it, Wayne, is it's very holistic. You're a husband, maybe, or a, you're a, a, a wife or a mom. You're also, you have work that God's given you to do, but you also have a calling to place. And whether that's the, the apartment you live in, to, in or a burden you have, or in our case, a, a heart for Eurasia and for the you know, mm-hmm. for this part of the world. We've seen that the last few days, haven't we? That's yeah. right. You know, I have over the years put this part of the world down in my as in my play sphere mm-hmm. as something that God has given me to do. And he also, uh, I feel, gave me that place on Kamehameha Island. Yeah, I was going to say that brings us full circle, doesn't it, back to the, the, uh, the plan to move home, uh, right. precipitated by your mother's health crisis, but uh, it goes deeper than that even. That's right. Kamehameha Island is a place that God used to shape me profoundly, and now I feel... I can give back to this place. I can uh, celebrate the beauty of it, and I can share it with others. Yeah, Jason, take a moment uh, to talk to the listener who's been uh, listening carefully to this discipleship path and thinking, "Yeah, maybe maybe that's what I what I need." And but my circumstances are far different from your circumstances. I'm not an artist, and I'm not going to live on a beautiful Camino Island. You know, help us apply it to where we live. Right. Well. Uh, my wife and I do this every year. We take a cohort of people through a process, and we're actually developing a, a web-based uh, process so that people everywhere can do this. Mm-hmm. You do have a calling to shepherd your own heart, the personal sphere. Absolutely, you are responsible for yourself. And to neglect it is to neglect the work of God in your own life, right? That's absolutely right. You do have a calling to family. As broken and dysfunctional as your family might be, God has called you to uh, love and forgive and and seek the blessing and good of your family. Our first-person guest today has been Jason Dorsey. More information about all that we talked about can be found at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You can learn more about the Sunny Shore Studio, which is now open, and about the book which Jason has written to celebrate the community, which means so much to him and others. Follow the links at firstpersoninterview.com. And to see what's coming up in the weeks ahead on this program, check out the schedule found there on the webpage, firstpersoninterview.com. Or download our free smartphone app. Search for First Person Interview in your app store. This program is made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, a ministry reaching millions of people with the message of the gospel through radio and new media. Next week, Christmas with Michael Carr. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, 
I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next week for First Person.